five o'clock. <laughs> I've got an hour left. The work day is nearly done. It's a Friday. I've got my Tommy Bahama sweatpants off. Oh, I got my Tommy Bahama t-shirt on. I've got my straw hat ready to party, looking like Jason Mraz. And wouldn't you know it, I've been having the tummy rumbles all day because <laughs> your boy had not one, but two bagels with cream cheese and decided that, you know what's great with breakfast? A Dr. Pepper. You know what's great oh for just God. lunch? A Coca-Cola. Anyways, I've got a stomach more bubbly than the middle Powerpuff girl, and wouldn't you know it, my body decides that it's time to fart it all out. And I go to do what I always do when I fart. I stand up and spread my bare ass on the big glass window looking Sunset Boulevard, ready to give the folks a show. No, I was just sitting, because I'm not gonna bear a... So I go to fart, and I notice something wrong with the fart. <laughs> So usually, so you pop the hood. On so the I pop the hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pop the hood. I find, I find an, I find a dad to pop the hood, and from just go. Ah, it looks uh, like you need a you, C clamp you, in there. You gotta, oh yeah, you gotta change the oil. Why am I changing the oil? Wait, first of all, my car has oil. Can I sell that to Enron? They don't do oil. Well, fuck. Anyways, what it, what it really happened was it kind of felt like a sea cucumber came out of my butt. Oh no! And I tried to like, oh no! Pardon my choice of words, but I tried to slurp it back in. <laughs> you know how anuses are basically mouths. Oh god! Oh. You know how an, your anus is just another All right. mouth. All right, Liam, you told me to let you talk, but I'm gonna cut you off there because I think that the audience has got a fucking vivid, haunting image. No, it wasn't really occurred. that bad at your workplace today, and then again later in the in Target. Target. Which I think is appropriate. <laughs> but that was more like a defiant, because I couldn't find the microwave popcorn, so that was like a defiant shirt where I was like, fuck you, Target, I'm gonna shit somewhere. So, what do we do on this podcast, Liam, when we're not talking about our talking bowel about movements? about shit. I mean, I guess there's like the podcast that happens around the poop talk. It's called mm -hmm. Media Majors. I tell stories about movies and television, and they're true, people. And her name's Liam Sr. My name is Thomas Lockney, and I like to tell stories from the internet and game culture. And what we do every week is we pick like a theme and center our stories around that. And this week we picked viral marketing. <sighs> it's been a long week, guys, so let's just hold hands in a circle and talk about food. Yeah, kumbaya. Teriyaki is a cooking technique used in Japanese cuisine in which foods are broiled or grilled in a glaze of soy sauce, mirin, and brown sugar. It is a form of cooking. It is a form of grilling. You've seen it a billion times when you go to a Japanese restaurant. It is a Japanese type of cuisine. It has sort of been taken by other Asian cuisines, but it is Japanese through and through. And most places that you find it are Japanese places. Okay. Szechuan cuisine is the type of cuisine that comes from Sichuan province in southwestern China, and it is known for its bold and spicy flavors due to the fact that a lot of the things that grow in Sichuan are local garlic, Sichuan garlic, nice spicy garlic, and Sichuan peppers, which are only grown in Sichuan. And tiny men and tiny that really bring men. out bring out the Szechuan. Yes, it's uh, the tiny men harvest the Sichuan. Yes. Uh, no, but it's like a lot of modern American Chinese food comes from Sichuan. Kung Pao chicken is derived from a meal from there, mushu yeah. pork, but not the sweeter stuff like the general so's and the lemon oh, okay. chicken. That doesn't come from Sichuan. That's that's a like sugar is not as big in uh, Sichuan cuisine as it is in a teriyaki cuisine. Right. I think I've got a pretty good picture of teriyaki versus Sichuan. Well, the, the most important thing though is that that one is Chinese, one is a region in China, and one is a 
Japanese style of cooking. They yeah. are not equatable. Yeah. And the reason I talk about this is because... Uh, uh, in 1998, the Walt Disney Company released Mulan. It was the second to last film in their Disney renaissance in the 90s, and it was uh, another kind of step in the right direction because they chose a Disney princess to be a woman of color. Mulan is Chinese. It is a story of basically uh, the Chinese versus the um, the Huns. Yeah. So McDonald's and Disney at this point are pretty much in bed together. Like the Happy Meal, which we'll talk about one day, is already a big thing. You get toys with it. It's a great way for for Disney and other film companies to promote kids' movies because kids love McDonald's. They love toys. And they love toys. And they love that gross, sweaty play place. I don't like it though. It's nasty. It's not a it good feels place to like be. I'm constantly being licked by a dirty child. Did you know they're opening some McDonald's that are going <clears> to <throat> renovate the play places to be places where adults can smoke weed? And immediately, Wait, I'm like, what? Yeah. It, I, in Colorado. We, yeah, in Colorado. We don't have time to talk about how that's like a really weird idea. That's a bizarre idea. It's it's this fucking nostalgia, adults going to kid camp shit that I'm just getting really sick and tired of. Um, so McDonald's, to not not only did they get, have toys of some of the characters in the movie, but they wanted to give something to the adults. So for a limited time, they introduced a new dipping sauce for their nuggets. It was called Szechuan sauce, and it was labeled as a teriyaki dipping sauce. And if you've been paying attention to the cuisine lesson I just told you, that's fucking culturally insensitive yep. and incorrect. So from the beginning, this <laughs> sauce was a problem. It was a blight. Today we're gonna be talking about Szechuan sauce, yeah, and I wanna are. fucking die. <laughs> Part one, horrible sauces. So Rick and Morty is a cartoon. Have you heard of it? You might have if you've been on the internet in the past, oh gee, I don't know, two fucking years. Do you know a white guy in their 20s or 30s? They've probably told you that they like this program, and Rick and Morty. probably yelled at you about it, because apparently you have to be smart to watch a show where half of the jokes are poop jokes. Apparently you have to craft your entire identity around a product that you watch. All right, so Rick and Morty is a cartoon. It's known for its jet black humor, its frequent pop culture references, and it's plagued production schedules. These are all important to see because cartoons take a lot of time to make. Um, and you, you gotta write it. You gotta storyboard it. You gotta break it down. You gotta give it off to the people who do the schema uh, animatics, which is basically like really chunky movements, but mm -hmm. so they can record the voices. Then you gotta ship it off. You gotta animate it. You gotta take it back, cut what doesn't work. It, it's a long It's a time. process. When Looney Tunes were a thing, it would take about nine months to make a Looney Tune, and like, God. and that was all hand drawn. And shows now are, can made a be made a little bit quicker. We've got car computers, but a show like Rick and Morty, which really takes advantage of the fact that it's animated, it's gonna try to take its time. It wants to get as much shit on the screen as possible. It, it's like one of the few shows that I feel it's like... It's got really dense backgrounds, lots yeah. of action. Like whenever... When I, BoJack the, Horseman is another show that takes a long time because it's season, so dense. In the season three opening, you can see like a million Ricks and Mortys being killed in very detailed individual ways. So in the season premiere of the new season of Rick and Morty, great yep. segue into that, uh, a throwaway joke happens. So another thing that about Rick and Morty that I think people forget is that it is a show about... It's supposed to be jokes. That's that's the purpose of the show. A lot of people are getting their personal ideologies from the show. <laughs> if you're getting your personal ideologies from a comedy show, you're messing up, my guy. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, how jokes and sitcoms are written is it's room written, so like they're gonna outline it, but everyone is gonna pitch jokes. There's gonna be thousands of jokes. Some work, some don't. It's a real grab bag. So there's a joke in the season three premiere that is that basically is just like. 
Rick is in this super space prison. He can make whatever he wants, and he gets to make this Szechuan sauce because he had it once in the 90s, and he never got to have it again, and he gets to eat it. And it's like a bookend to the episode. It starts with it in the middle. The Nathan Fillion's character starts eating it, and at the end, it's reference it. And that's like it's like a fun way to structure an episode to structure it around Joe. And that and that premiered on April first, twenty seventeen. It was a huge thing for the fans. People didn't think a season three was happening. So when they watched this episode, they were not only assured, but it was like a fire had been stoked because it was like, oh, it's coming back, and. It was just a pop culture reference. It's like that sweet spot of just obscure enough and just not obscure enough where it's like, oh yeah, that's a real thing. That's kind of like a weird, funny thing that they're talking about. They've done jokes like that before. Rick constantly makes weird Like that's kind of what like the Elliot Smith joke is. It's like Elliot Smith's kind of an obscure, but like very evocative. Or think of the Zelda DS joke in that one thing. Like it's it's totally up their bag, right? Part two, Sauce Baby instead of Boss Baby. Um, People aren't perfect, Tom. In a big group of people, you're going to have bad eggs. It's mm-hmm. just it's just science. We've talked about it's how Steven Universe fandoms, like, it's a good show made by good yeah, people. like, half the people who are fandoms of different video games can be very <laughs> toxic. I think Rick and Morty uh, basically hold my beer and watched the Steven Universe's fans because it's been a fucking disaster. Yeah. Rick and Fort Morty fans, and I truly mean this as uh, not someone who casually watches the show, not someone who enjoys the show. I'm talking about the people who make their show their identity are genuinely speaking, and you don't have to agree with me on this, the worst type of people that exist. (laughs) Not ever or of all time, but they're just the worst. They hold Rick as his paragon of intellect and superiority, claiming that you have to be smart to watch Rick and Morty. It's a cartoon on the same network. That a show called Assy McGee was on. Assy McGee is about a butt that's a cop. Pitch over. It ran four <laughs> seasons. It's a cartoon, and these people have like made it their life to just make everyone's lives terrible because of it. They've doxed female writers because they believe they're tainting the show, which to me is like you're just scum at that point. You've no no redeeming you know, qualities. You've no legs to stand on. They've harassed. Both the creators who, like, in and of themselves are both not perfect people. They've harassed writers. They've harassed animators. They've just harassed everyone who's had their name attached to it in any way. Mm -hmm. God forbid you're a woman on Twitter who likes Rick and Morty because it must have been tough for you this year. But what I'm trying to say is, on April 2nd, I saw people freaking out about a sauce I know they had never heard of. Because I know my fucking demographic and my age group, we were nine. Less than that. My math is off. I don't remember it. I don't remember it, and I went to make... I I remember the Mulan toys, and I don't remember the I lived, sauce. I lived by a McDonald's and would beg my parents to take me there frequently. Didn't happen, but it happened often enough that, like... You would think I would remember, like, My, a sauce. Yeah, and exactly. And people are were, I don't know if you saw this on April 2nd, but I saw people being like, oh my god, they're going to bring back Szechuan sauce. And I'm sitting there like, dude, I know you don't know what that is. Like, no one cared about this sauce. Admit that you're only caring about it because a cartooned guy told you to care about it. But petitions were made. The internet went crazy mcdonald's even sent a jug of the sauce to the rick and morty staff who like the only person that cared was justin roiland because everyone else was just like great we're premiering in a month and like we have shit to do because it takes a lot to make a cartoon but then eventually sauce talk dies down a little bit the show airs people are mostly just talking about pickle rick and it seems like oh well no more sauce talk 
Part three. Meet the new sauce, same as the old sauce. Uh, Excellent title names. Thank you. Today. Last week, McDonald's announced that they're doing chicken tenders, even though they've done chicken tenders before in some areas. I don't care. But to help with the promotion, they also unveiled some like weird posters for their various dipping sauces. I like to think that the My Brother, My Brother and Me podcast kind of also brought this to attention a bit because they- Oh, Munch Squad? They Munch Squad about it without mentioning, they like did a throw, again, a throwaway joke about the sexual thing and it was very much just about like these posters. Yeah. But I think that this kind of brought it to the internet's attention because one of the sauces that they mentioned was- Szechuan sauce. So that's when McDonald's starts tweeting in the style of Rick and Morty, Ugh. and which is the worst thing that Ugh. when brands, brands when brands fucking like role play online, it's just it's the yuckiest thing I've ever seen. I it's hate so it. nakedly trying to trick people. And basically, the McDonald's was like, "We're bringing it back for one day only on a Saturday." I don't think McDonald's pays attention to television ratings because. A week before that, it was announced that Rick and Morty was one of the highest viewed shows on cable, which is really huge yeah, because... because, hey, despite... This is something that we should say. The show fucks up sometimes, and despite its awful fan base, ultimately, like, pretty good it's show. It's scrappy as hell. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's it, I am charmed by it. Well, I think it's more... I'm more impressed that an Adult Swim show was able to get that numbers because Adult Swim is like, is a big... The, the whole point of them is that nobody fucking watches Exactly. That was their entire brand f- and that, that and, and, and the whole point is that they're a channel within a channel that doesn't do as well as the parent channel. But then this show came along and took off and fans went buzzerk, lines around the door. Wrist, a wristband system had to be implemented because McDonald's fucked up didn't realize that like they are basically drug dealers at this point and they undersold how much sauce packets they would get and the worst part was is that they didn't think about their employees because as i've mentioned before rick and morty fans are shits and when you take (laughs) something away from them they freak out they throw a tantrum yeah I don't know if you guys have been on the internet last weekend but you've probably seen numerous videos of just people yelling at employees for not having sauce, demanding corn syrup and fucking sugar dye. Like, there's the one going around of the kid freaking out, putting his shirt up over his head, jumping on the co- on the counter. Oh my god! Demanding he gets the Szechuan sauce like Terrifying. a child, and then jumps on and starts rolling around on the McDonald's floor. Ew! Talking about how he's pickle Rick. He isn't pickle Rick. Weird. Uh, what a weird thing to do, you know. Or, or maybe you could have just done what I did and mute Rick and Morty on Twitter. Probably the best idea. I ended up reaching out on the internet and and uh, I uh, found someone who went and got the sauce. And he told me the only reason he went was so that he could sell it later and make a ton of money. And I googled yeah. it. They're it's being a good idea. sold for a thousand dollars a packet on eBay. And we should That's have done the it. lowest. Of course, we should have done it. There's also the story going around about the woman who traded a sauce packet for a car. <laughs> because men are inherently so fucking stupid that they will trade sauce that a cartoon told them to get. They don't have a car anymore. <laughs> I recently lost my car to an accident. Yeah. It was totaled. It is stressful when fate takes away your car. But to willingly give up your vehicle for less than 100 milliliters of sugar syrup. 
Yeah. Hey, my name is uh, Rick, and I got an Uber to work now. That's right, I use Uber, not Lyft. Scab labor. But at least I got this fucking dope as hell Szechuan. The guy I talked to. Woo! The guy I talked to also would would not just uh, like. Uh, I asked him like <laughs> if he would describe himself as someone who's online. He's like, no, I'm not really an internet guy. Oh. Which makes sense because he's like because a nice person. He's like a good dude. <laughs> Like, I, I didn't even think about people selling the sauce, and, mm-hmm. and they have been, and that's fucking smart as yeah. shit. They out-capitalismed McDon- McDonald's, yeah. whose story is a dude named Ray Kroc fucked over a, a mom-and-pop store called McDonald's. So here's what I'm saying. Maybe that high IQ don't mean shit, Rick fans, when you're selling your car for sauce. Uh, McDonald's has said they're gonna bring the sauce back in winter, so expect a media minor about the fucking pandemonium and nuclear war that happens because of it. Oh boy. Hey, Rick and Morty writers, maybe make a joke about single-payer healthcare or, like, uh, marginalized people being marginalized so that you can get your fans to be angry about the right things. Just a thought. Also, it's a teriyaki sauce. Fucking easy to make. It's soy sauce and brown sugar. You don't even need the goddamn mirin. You're all animals and I hate you. Anyways, that's my story. Oh, General Tso's is also a better sauce. (laughs) So, like, what the fuck are we even doing? We're gonna take a break. Oh, boy. I'm sorry, Liam. I'm sorry the internet made you mad. We're gonna take a quick break, listen to an ad of another show on the Major Cast Network, and then we're gonna hear a story. Back in history class, did you ever take a step back from that textbook you were reading and just think to yourself, man, these people are very dumb. Hi, my name is Eric McAdams, and I have a podcast for you. It's called Big Time Whoopsies, and every other Wednesday on the Major Cast Network, I tell a guest, and you the listener, a story from history involving massive incompetence. Big Time Whoopsies. People are dumb, and history can prove it. Boy, what a great ad. You know what? Even if it was Shmanime. That's right. Character arc. I'm turning around on it. (laughs) All right, so my story is a little more fun. It's a little more lighthearted. It's less about uh, rabid fan bases and more... And McDonald's tweeting, we're wubba-lubba-dub-dub, sorry! Oh, boy. And more about bad advertising, which is why the name of my story this week is Bad Advertising. Thank you. So last week I talked about an ad campaign that ran back in the late 90s that prominently featured the phrase, John Romero's about to make you his bitch. And that got me thinking about other instances of terrible marketing in games. This is mostly viral marketing, but there's one that was so vile that I decided to just throw it in there anyways. So here it is, a list of the 13 uh, weirdest- Reasons why. And worst, oh boy. Actually, yeah, the 13 reasons why video game marketing is just, like, fucking terrible and weird and dumb. We do not support 13 reasons why it's very bad. Number one, Skyrim. Create a character. Oh, no. On February 18th, 2011, Vice President of Bethesda Softworks, Pete Joe Biden. (laughs) Oh, God, that would be cool. Um, Surreptitiously dropped that it was then the ideal time to conceive a child if you were planning to give birth on 11-11-11, the release date of the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. No, we didn't. Why did he do that? From a blog post on Bethesda's website, quote, Our man, Pete Hines, sends word that today, February 18th, is the ideal time to conceive if you're looking to roll a new character slash child on Skyrim Day. 11, 11, 11. I like that they call it Skyrim Day, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I celebrate Skyrim Day every year. Yeah. I put on a dumb horn helmet, and then I shoot myself in the knee and can't go on adventures anymore. Yeah, but you're Orthodox Yarl. I'm an Orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I converted for Jane. <laughs> 
They had to cut. They had to add more skin to my penis. Continued quote. Yeah. Still not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving it in. Oh, definitely. Just how exactly he learned this is worth pondering, but we'll take him at his word for the sake of amusing science. So, you think you have the stat points in you to produce, produce the perfect eight-pound dragon slayer? Like the wizened wizard he is, Pete is throwing down with a casual quest, offering up an unknown reward to any couple adventurous enough to name their 11-11-11 born child Dovahkiin. While it may be difficult to play Skyrim from the hospital, just think of how many late nights you'll have to lull your little dragonborn with Jeremy Thule's soothing music. There are scenes in Skyrim that are like, oh, fuck this, fuck that, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, we have possibly doomed a child. I'd say this calls for a hefty disclaimer. Disclaimer, any reward for completing this quest will not ultimately justify the potential teasing your child could and probably will endure over its lifespan. Bethesda Softworks is not responsible for your parenting. You may gain experience points for completing this quest, but you will not care at 3 a.m. on a work night. Completion of this quest may also result in decreased desire to play video games and or function as a human being. Consult with your friends before embarking on this quest. While it may not start in prison, it probably ends there. A lot of people don't know this, but Tom is the Micro Machines guy. Yeah. That's a great joke if you were born in 1982. So discuss, do you think that's good or a bad marketing that's idea? That's so weird. I think it's a fun marketing idea, to be honest with you. Like, I would, I wish, I pray every day that I was named Dovahkiin Lockney instead of Thomas Michael Lockney the fucking third. Like, I like my name. So I would have taken Dovahkiin, plus I would have gotten a sweet deal out of it. Speaking of, what is that? Update to the blog post. Quote, if anyone is seriously considering this, we've got a few ideas in mind for you. Uh, for a collection of quest rewards. How's this for a shower gift? A weird. A steam key that will grant you, and presumably Dovahkiin him slash herself, every ZeniMax slash Bethesda game, past, present, and future for life. Once Damn. your child eventually achieves cognition and grows old enough to play intense video games, we think it will agree that this key blo I like that they refer to this baby as an it. It will agree that yeah. this key blows away a pink pleated onesie. Holy shit. As for the rest of the loot, we'll leave it as a surprise. So, uh, All right. Yeah, I changed my mind. Do you think anyone did it? Oh, yeah. Someone did it. Yeah. Two webcomic artists, of course, Megan and Eric Kellermeyer, gave birth to Dovahkiin Tom Kellermeyer on 11-11-11. They, see, they cheated. They gave him a middle name so he could have something else to go by. Fuck that. Now, see, I would have named it Dovahkiin, but I would have just called him Keenan. I would have just named it Dovahkiin single, no last name. Oh, like the like uh, singer-songwriter Donovan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, you know, Bono. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty good parents. <laughs> sure. Dead Space 2, Mama Don't Cry. <laughs> Mama, don't let your sons grow up to be Dead Space. Speaking of families, Dead Space 2 drew ire when it ran the following ad. Uh-oh. Oh, oh boy. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. I think it'll make a person become insane. This game is an atrocity. It's revolting. It's violent. It's everything you love in a game. Your mom's gonna hate it. Why would they even make something like this? Dead Space 2, rated M for mature. So I like that ad campaign. So what everybody just heard was the ad campaign, Your Mom Hates Dead Space 2. 
In a vacuum, this is funny, I agree. It holds a lot of the same appeal as like olds react to Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. But unlike that video, it's deliberately slanted towards, towards a certain narrative and edited around certain reactions that fits the narrative. That narrative, of course, being that women really don't play or like video games and, and look at how fat my fucking hog is because I play games that women don't like. Oh. This is especially disappointing because Dead Space 2, surprisingly, has some decent female representation in the character of Ellie, a tough, confident engineer who has agency in the action of conflict of Dead Space 2 and is actually not once sexualized during the course of the game. It's like really, yeah, like it's really weird. Hold on a second. Yeah. Thomas Michael Lockmead the fourth, I don't care. Third. I don't care. The 15th. Uh, are you telling me that a woman in a video game was not sexual? In like a survival horror video game wow. too. It was like Man. it's really bizarre. Like I That's think she's awesome. a really cool character. Of course, they they fucked that up in Dead Space Three. They actually like gave her larger breasts and cleavage and all sorts of gross things. Well, made her know, a sex object. Well, here's the thing. Um, we don't deserve nice things. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there would have been female gamers out there who would have liked to meet Ellie before she became like a confused franchise's token sex object, and they did not because it's sad. What if it was your parents would hate this? Yeah, like, it, yeah. I think maybe that would have worked a little better. Because th that's the thing about, like, olds play Grand Theft Auto is, like, there are some of them that don't like it, and then there are other ones they that do. Love yeah. It. Um, because th that's the thing is, like, there were a lot of, there were a lot of pieces that came out uh, in response to this where they were like, hey, like, I'm a mom, I'm a games journalist, there are lots of us. Maybe maybe don't like hide the, the like sexism of it behind like the role that you assign to our gender. Or even so. worse, just the fact that you're like trying to make a, a, a joke about yeah, and, and the, the like the perceived narrative. Yeah, and, and then the fact that Which like just the way writing. that you're trying to hook kids is like, fuck your parents, fuck your mom. See, to me that's funny because I love my parents, so the idea that like a video game, and my parents hate looking at video games, poor guy, it, like they just makes them both so Sick. nauseous. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, my parents hate Mario because it makes them throw up. I have a memory of my mom throwing up because I made him play Sonic Adventure 2 Battle with me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, number three, Burnout 2, gotta go fast. In the early aughts, Acclaim chose to promote the upcoming Burnout sequel by offering to pay the fine for any vehicle caught by a speed camera on October 11th, 2002 in the United Kingdom. This is a bad idea. This is so... Oh, in the... Wait, 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 wait. In the UK. Okay, so here's the thing about London that you have to know, and I'm not making this up. Um, the road system in London was built before cars were built, and cars in England are generally a lot smaller just because the roads are smaller, yeah. but like, it's still... There's not enough car space in London. Uh, it was such a bad idea that the Department of Transportation released a statement that a claim was, quote, encouraging people to spread, speed and break the law. Uh, this will not be the last time a claim appears on the list. They are a very strange company. Four, Mercenaries 2, feeling gassy. Yes, I am, Tom. To promote the release of Mercenaries 2, EA offered free gas to anyone in the LA or London areas on August 29th, 2008. Though the connection to the game is an extremely fucking poor taste, like, Mercs 2 is about a resource-driven conflict, like, explicitly, like, oil or some shit, and so they were like, you know what would be fun? Free gas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fun the oil conflicts. Hey, we're Clay, we're, we're EA, and we've got money in Iraq right now. EA, BP, doesn't matter. Yeah. EA, we make war porn the video game. And also Harry Potter. Yeah. Kids. Um, but despite that really poor taste connection, I think that this is actually like a decent marketing idea. Like it costs me $60 for a full tank. Like, do you know how much food I could buy with that? Or like how much of my rent payment? I kind of like that. 
While the event went off relatively smoothly smoothly in LA, things didn't fare quite as well in London. 20,000 pounds worth of petrol (laughs) had been purchased Uh, for giveaway. Think of all the lorries. Those are trucks. But traffic and gridlock, all those double-decker buses... Uh, in England, they call it hopscotch. ...became so untenable... Why? That that authorities shut the promotion down with 9,000 pounds still on tap because the city had come to a complete standstill. It was like total gridlock. They probably should have just regulated it better. better. You know, like, go to the EA website and get a voucher or a ticket that's only valid, like, from a certain time period, like an hour or something like that, or, or maybe like spread it out across several days, you know? Sure. But either way, it totally fucked up London and they had to shut it down. Yeah. Because they couldn't think ahead at all. Benedict Cumberbatch was missing for three whole days. <laughs> Peter Dinklage found him. <laughs> he did. A lot of people don't know this, but whenever Benedict Cumberbatch goes missing, only Peter Dinklage can yeah. find them. The and two of an unspeakable bond. He keeps finding them in a well somewhere. <laughs> it's the same it's well. weird. Benedict, why do you keep going near that well? You just keep falling down it. Tell me more. Tell me more. Number five. Zynga. Bazinga. <laughs> in 2010, I'm so sorry. Zynga <laughs> sat down in a conference room somewhere and said, we haven't found a new way to just be the fucking worst company in the game space yet. What can we do? And somebody said, oh, I know. Let's glue a bunch of counterfeit bills to the sidewalks and streets of New York City, a thing that is illegal to do. Yep. End quote. At five different locations across New York City, fake $25,000 notes were glued to the ground. This wasn't some, like, Elmer's glue shit either. Like, <laughs> the very, city... Very quiet. I'm twicking people. <laughs> this... Uh, I'm twicking children into stealing their parents' credit cards. <laughs> the City Department of Public Works spent around 45 minutes at each location cleaning the bills off of the sidewalk with a steam cleaner. Zing was fined, though they still continue to be a bizarre, evil, predatory scam to this very day. Strong feelings about Zynga. Probably going to have a story about them and why they kind of fucking suck. Mm, they're your Szechuan sauce. Six. Homefront. Rev pollution. <laughs> nice. In 2011, publisher THQ initiated a promotion for the upcoming Sick. Homefront that... <laughs> you would like that one? Holy shit. I'm calling it that. Okay, so publisher Thick... <laughs> Initiated a promotion for the upcoming Homefront game that involved GameStop employees releasing hundreds of red balloons into the Bay Area. <laughs> hundreds Would of red balloons. Would you say how many yeah. red balloons? Like 98, 101? Is there like a sweet spot particularly? I don't know. How many do you need to kill a bird or a fish? 99 Sotlaf balloons. The balloons promptly fell into the literal Bay Area, drawing the ire of Bay Area water control officials who promptly fined the company $7,000. Can we win a podcast award for that turn of phrase just there? Thick would initially defend their actions, (laughs) saying that the balloons were biodegradable. But that was, of course, not the issue. The issue was perhaps best summed up by the Los Angeles Times, who tweeted, At GameStop just released a couple hundred balloons in downtown SF, probably a promotion for their new game, Fish Choker. Oh, man. Amazing. Gotta love the LA Times. God bless him. Seven. God of War 3. Those are his hooves, you bitch. Oh, no. Do you know what photo I'm referencing? I don't. There's Is a photo of Lil Wayne in a hot tub wearing, like, knee socks. But because of the way... And, and somebody, like, commented on it being like, why is Lil Wayne wearing knee socks in the hot tub? And below that... Someone commented, those are his hooves, you bitch. Because if you look in the water distortion, 
it it looks like he has hoops. Amazing. Anyways, now everybody knows why I said that. We can continue. The best type of joke is one you have to immediately give the context for. The God of War series is known for its brutality, some of which makes sense. The source material of Greek mythology is, ex mythology is extremely violent and tragic, but a lot of it is kind of just like senseless and like really exploitative and kind of just sexist usually. <laughs> so for the launch of God of War's first sequel in 2007, Sony wanted to go big. They wanted to buckle down on how awful and gross Greek mythology is. They wanted to revel in it. Hold Liam, on, wait. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like you to take a look at this photo and tell listeners what you're looking at here. Okay, so what I'm looking at is a man, I'm who kind of looks. That's not the important part. <laughs> okay, well, it's what I'm drawn to. He's wearing. The skin of an animal. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm There's gonna a... die. There's a dead goat. Okay, here, you failed, you failed me, Liam. Yeah, no, no, because this is a really fucking self-explanatory picture. So in, in the picture, there is a dead goat that is real. The head is blurred out because the head is gone. Gotcha. The head is gone, and there also is, uh, and, and lots of people didn't talk about this part, but there is a, a topless woman with her breasts painted to emulate the style of the video game, which feels super gross and exploitative to me. Um, so yeah, that's a dead goat and a topless woman who just looks miserable. Okay, so Whack I was confused because I thought I didn't. I thought it was like this dude had an incredibly long penis no. and fucked a goat. Here's an official statement from Sony. Whoops! <laughs> it has come to our attention that at the God of War two launch showcase, an element of the event was of an unsuitable nature. We recognized that the use of a dead goat was in poor taste and fell below the high standards of conduct we set ourselves. We are conducting an inquiry to establish the circumstances behind the event in order to ensure that this does not happen again. Goat gate. Yeah. I think it's telling, this is kind of an aside, but like it's kind of telling about sexism in the industry that they were like, it is disgusting that we put a dead goat here and not gross that we paid a woman to stand uh, bare-chested in front of a bunch of oglers. You're telling me that the video game industry is sexist towards women, Tom? Boy. Tom? The the video game the video game industry? No 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 the 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 video game industry. Oh oh that makes more sense. Yeah. Eight Hitman Absolution. All my friends are dead. Oh no oh no. In 2012, Square Enix was looking to promote the upcoming Hitman game, Hitman Absolution. They set up a website called HireHitman.com. Ooh boy, okay. <laughs> that got a lot of people on a lot of lists, and it also connected to your Facebook profile and let you pick friends of yours for Agent 47 to kill, <gasps> which That's is a normal weird. thing. That's a normal thing, right? No. On this extremely normal website, you would select your friend, and it would then send them a message that only they could see to let them know that you had selected them for death. That in and of itself is weird and creepy, but not the worst thing, like, ever. It's not, like, the worst thing ever. Here is the problem. It would require you to pick a physical trait for 47 to identify, quote-unquote, the target with. Uh-oh. Here are some of the choices. Oh, oh, nope. Their big gut. Aww. Their small breasts. Hmm? What? Their small penis. That one I like. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Hitman Absolution is rife with many nasty, sexist, homophobic, and other bigoted jokes. Fun times. Yeah. Um, Square Enix took down the website and apologized poorly for it. Number nine, Dante's Inferno. 
No jokes here. Fuck this gross ad campaign. Oh, boy. I actually mentioned this on an early episode of Media Majors concerning the Booth Babe phenomenon. For anyone not in the know, here's a quick definition of Booth Babes. At, con at conventions, companies would hire attractive women to stand at their booths, often dressed in revealing sexualized costumes. People would take pictures with them, but mostly they'd just, like, sexually harass them. Booth Babes are a weird phenomenon. I even really hate that we call them that. It's a weird thing, and there's still not a lot of narratives out there from women who were in that space, likely because of shit that, like, what EA did with Dante's Inferno. Panel prints? No, okay, hold on, I'm gonna think of something. In 2000... Convention queens! <laughs> in two... That's, yeah, that's way better! Still a gross practice, but at least, like, a less demeaning thing to call it, I guess. Ugh. In 2009, EA put out an ad for their Sin to Win campaign. The ad was a photograph of a woman's bare chest featuring tattoos of naked pinup silhouettes and text that read, Sin to Win. A night with the hottest girl at Comic-Con. Dinner, booty, and more. The promotion encouraged participants to commit multiple, multiple, that's important, acts of lust with any booth babe. So not even women explicitly hired by EA would have to put up with the creepy fuckos coming with them. So it wasn't like, it wasn't even like just the people that they had hired for this promotion. They were like, do it to anyone. Their bodies are yours. Harass like, the world. Acts of lust were defined as photos, but that language is extremely leading and could have very easily, and to be honest with you, I would imagine likely did, uh, result in touching, groping, or other forms of sexual harassment and assault. Yeah, fuck this game. It is gross, it is creepy, it is objectifying, it is dangerously sexist, and fuck that ad campaign. 10. Splinter Cell Conviction. If you get convicted in the game, you get convicted in real life. <laughs> in 2010, patrons at New Zealand's Viaduct Basin in Auckland Bar were just trying to unwind after a long day at work when a man wearing bandages on his hands arrived, drew a pistol, and began threatening the patrons. Now, what does this have anything to do with the video game advertising, I bet you're asking? Well, there were about 20 people at the bar who spent the next few minutes fearing for their lives until police arrived at the scene and detained the perpetrator. It was not until they had removed the gun from his person that they discovered it to be a fake, a replica. The man was an actor, paid by a marketing firm to promote the new Splinter Cell game. That was their marketing ploy, was like, go, go threaten a bunch of people with a gun that they think is real. Do it. This is a good idea. Fortunately, nobody was injured and everybody got to go home. Oh, good. Yeah. Number 11. Watch dogs. Watch dogs run. Watch dogs run away from the mysterious unattended package. <laughs> One day, a reporter for the Australian news outlet 9MSN received a package. Inside was a small black safe, about the size of one you might find in a hotel, with a pin number and a letter. Check your voicemail. So already, not, not threatening at all. This particular reporter just happened to not have a voicemail. How does a reporter not have a voicemail? I don't know, man. It was Australia. <laughs> it's Australia. It's the outback. Yeah, we haven't, get, we haven't gotten voicemail since 1996. Fosters. So they just decided to enter the pin number, which is like, yeah, that, that, that like kind of sure. makes sense. When they did, the safe began to beep, beep, beep. Crikey! <laughs> Quote, the thing was black, heavy, and slightly creepy. I've seen the photo. It is. Mm. It's very menacing. Mm. We did check with other newsrooms to see if they had received a similar package, as we thought it was a PR stunt, but no one else had. We weren't panicked at any point, but given there was no note explaining what it was, we had to take sensible precautions. Those sensible precautions were calling the bomb squad. Duh! The staff was sent home. 
When they finally got the safe open, its contents were revealed to be a copy of Watch Dogs, nice. a baseball cap, and a nice hoodie. You know the iconic hoodie that Aiden Pierce wears in Watch Dogs? Oh, who could forget that brilliant character design of a fucking hoodie he wears under another trench coat? Ugh. I'm confused. Did they just send this the package that they just sent those out to random people? They they sent them out to like press outlets. Oh, okay. like the IGN Australia offices also got one, and mm. they just like assumed that everything was kosher. Yeah. The marketing firm apologized for the scare and went about our, their day. That's the other thing. Is like none of these people seem to get like sorry, punished. God, uh, it was a joke. And because and because the metric that a lot of these marketers Metroid. qualify success by is just like attention. These people were probably like, oh, that went fine. Like the thing I, I kept uh, running into doing research was like people complaining about their game, the marketing firm misrepresenting their game and them going like, but you know, that fucking marketer's laughing at me right, writing this right now because people are talking about it. And I think that's bullshit because then the only alternative is not talking about it, but ugh. 12, racist PSP advertisement. This one's a real quick one. It's not viral marketing, but it's so bad that I thought I'd throw it in here anyways. A real quick nougat. Liam, it's all in the title. I got another picture to show you. It's an ad for the PSP White. Can you describe to the audience what you're looking at? I'm looking at a white woman in white clothing uh, holding a uh, black man or black woman, I can't tell, in black clothing aggressively by the chin. Yeah. And it is... <sighs> and the way that they have it colorized, like the way it's kind of hard to discern uh, the the black figure is is because like the, it's it's colorized so that their skin kind of like blends into the background, which is like really fucking racist and gross. Yeah, like the the white woman's holding the other uh, the the black person by the chin and, and throat chin and does not look good. And it says PlayStation Portable's coming. Yeah. Why it says PlayStation Portable White, white is, is coming. coming. Excuse me. Uh, this is an ad from 2007 when Sony was promoting the PSP White in the Netherlands. Wow, is that way. And finally, number 13, Shadow Man 2, Grave Encounters. Last on our list is one final appearance from Acclaim. I knew they were going to come back. A bizarre company that made terrible adverts. To promote its 2006 game, Shadow Man 2, Second Coming, spelled uh, 2-E-C-O-N-D, Acclaim thought it might go a little like flatliners on us, you know, push the boundaries between life and death. Right. The game is all about death, so unique in the game space, so they decided to invite relatives of the recently deceased to lease out headstone space for Shadow Man posters in exchange for subsidizing the costs of death, such as funerals, cremations, etc. This is like a fucking Nathan for you thing. Sean White, not that one, <laughs> communications manager at Acclaim, had this to say in their defense. This is the flying potato, not the flying tomato. Yeah. The concept of what we're calling deadvertising Fuck off. is entirely consistent with the theme of the Shadow Man's second coming game, two wind coming game, and provides us with a permanent presence for our advertising. Content and context are two important principles of marketing Shadow Man. It's weird how people who constantly drop in stuff like content Context matters never actually <laughs> seem to care about the fucking context here's the other thing is they specifically targeted the lower class saying that the offer might par quote particularly interest poorer families how that fucking is gross is that thousand ways i could not find anyone who took them up on their offer and if it makes anyone feel any better acclaim is no longer with us put that on their fucking tombstone the zinga all right so that 
is a list of 13 weird, wild, and crazy whack. guys. Uh, weird, wild, and whack. That's, moments that's how I would describe that. Video game, mostly viral marketing. So sometimes we talk about rough stuff on the show, but sometimes Tom's got to go. Some whack smack on this show. No, it's fine. We got time got for time? a self-care okay, cool. corner. And every week we balance out the, the whack stuff with some just like, you know, like nice, nice stories and vibes and things from our week that brightened our day. Liam, would you like to go first or would you like me? I'm about to make an incredible dinner for myself. And a, a mussels and a white wine sauce. It's my favorite meal. I'm excited. That's my self-care corner. Cause I, it was it was a rough week. What with the Szechuan sauce. Online was he- online was, was so bad this week. Bad times. Bad times for all. Yeah. Um. My self-care corner. Ooh. You know what? This will be a fun little announcement. I'm launching on October 31st a new show to the network. It's called Butthole Stories. It's called Butthole Stories, and it's Lee and Liam, and we talk about <laughs> what it feels like when we poop and stuff. No, <laughs> finally, daily experience. <laughs> finally, now tell them about this show. I'm starting a podcast called King Me. It's a monthly where me, myself, and a guest, and Irene, and I guessed, yeah, and Dupree. <laughs> oh God! Watched through a Stephen King theatrical adaption. I will always read the source material. Uh, guests and listeners are welcome to join, but not required. We will probably be talking about both <laughs> interchangeably. Probably going to be talking about a lot of Stephen King. I'd probably imagine. a lot of Stephen King. The first episode is going to be about the original Carrie. Uh, I'm, Harold. I'm about halfway through the book, and I'm really, really excited about this. I like cut a trailer for it and everything today, and you'll be able to hear it soon on the Major Cast Network. So check that out when it drops at the end of the month. And uh, make sure to subscribe to Butthole Stories, which uh, is going to come out. That's also every our day. podcast, yeah, 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 yeah. but it's, it's a weird. Well, we yeah. have the sub podcast, but Butthole Vories, yeah. which is a different thing. We don't have to get too in. Follow now. us on Twitter at Media Majors Cast. Uh, leave a rating and review on iTunes. It helps out small podcasts like us. You can email us at mediamagerspodcast at gmail.com. And remember, we'll be there for you. Such one saucy motherfuckers. Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major. <laughs>